0: Hey, it's Kathleen and Shannon here, and this is Get In Her Lane. We are two automotive professionals diving deep into why women are so underrepresented in this industry and trying to make a positive change. So ride along with us as we discuss ideas and takeaways that can help everyone further this effort in the automotive world and beyond. All right, you guys, we are back with part two. We're calling it the Subi series. There is just so so much to say. We needed to have her back for more. Last time we left off with talking a little bit about WOCAN and finding your voice. And we just wanted to hear a little bit about your own personal journey and how you found your own voice. Sure. That is a,
1: that is a big heavy question.
0: question.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's why we needed well, a part two. <laughs> well,
1: finding your voice, I think is one of the topics that gives me most pause when I think back on my career. Because I think it's a one-time thing. When people think about developing your voice, finding your voice, it's a one-time act. What I have found is that with every phase of my career, every new level I've gotten to, I'm redefining or finding a brand new voice at each phase. So it's not a one-and-done action exercise that you have to do. It's one, understanding what you stand for understanding what your opinions and your positions are when it comes to whether it's your expertise, if you're the SME, like what is your expertise and what are your positions and then finding places to have that dialogue to not only to refine your voice, but clarifying what other people's voices are and how you fit into that realm. So that's a lot of theory and I'll give you kind of some examples <laughs> yeah. in, my, in my world. So, when I got started in auto in the dealership world, I looked to online forums. There's a ton of really great forums. One of the big ones that I, that was big when I was in dealerships and is still big now is called Dealer Refresh. There's a ton of other ones, but now social media also has different groups within them. So, joining them was me hearing what other people have to say and finding the moments in time that I found myself getting passionate, whether I vehemently disagreed, whether I had an opposing view, whether I really agreed with what they were saying, but they weren't getting a lot of support. Finding those moments helped me define, okay, this is where I'm passionate, and these are the things that I wanna talk about. What I found in doing that is not only am I learning, but I'm finding that there's always gaps where someone needs to speak up about something that my heart and my brain Really want to say out loud. Mm -hmm. So, when I got into this industry, like I said, I was a mouse. I (laughs) did not know that I could even use my voice for good. Culturally speaking, uh, women were told to not laugh too loud, to not raise your voice. And so, I was fighting this inner battle of I'm now talking to elders that are significantly older than me in a loud voice and telling them that they needed to pay attention to what I was saying. Mm -hmm. But having a clear thought is so important. So when I was early in my career, I would go in sometimes with tears in my eyes like how are you people not paying attention to this because it's so important? Customers need these types of responses whether I was handling social media and seeing bad reviews come in or seeing that some some of the employees weren't getting valued for what they were doing. There's there's a period of time for me that it wasn't just about using my voice to get attention. Mm-hmm. It was about learning how to speak in a way that mattered mm-hmm. to management, understanding their language, being able to make the case that would resonate with them, that they would hear what I had to say, but also provide solutions. So I wasn't just complaining about something. I was going and saying, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Here's the plan on getting it done. And leaders love that. And so two things happen simultaneously for me. My leadership saw my value because I was making the case, what I was learning from the forums and applying it to these business solutions. But as I was doing that, I was sharing back with those communities and then my peers were celebrating my ideas, my methods, and I was gaining popularity within my peer group Mm -hmm. um, that gave me the confidence that I needed to speak up within those forums. And then I started getting noticed from different people that would allow my conversations to be a little bit bigger or a little bit Mm -hmm. bigger or in the rooms that mattered. And now I had this moment where I sat in a room 15 years after that initial moment. Wow. I'm old. (laughs) Uh, But 15 years (laughs) later I I'm in a room and those thoughts came back of, do I belong here? Mm -hmm. Do I even know what I want to say? Do I, do I have a voice to speak up with or should I just sit and let the big the big kids talk?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I found that it, for the fourth time, I had yeah. to figure out my perspective, my voice, find the right moments to have clear thoughts and share them so that they get to know me, what I stand for, and that I had something important to say. 25 yeah. minutes later, I've answered your question. <laughs> no,
0: I, I love the piece about it kind of being a cycle that you're you know, each time you take on a new role or a new job or you, you have that moment of doubt or you re-experience that all over again. And I think that's a very, um, so- something that everyone
1: experiences when you know, when you take on a new position. Yes. I think it's important that you say that it's something everyone experiences. What I have found in this journey to use my voice for good, I've always been, I've always been excited about helping other people. So I didn't realize I was doing it for myself. I thought I was just doing it for my peer groups to find solutions and, and share what I was seeing as wins or failures so that they don't make the same mistakes. But then I found people that were looking to me for those answers. But at the same time, when I got to the next level and I didn't have all the answers, it's in those moments that I didn't realize that I had to redefine my voice mm-hmm. and reinvent what this position, what this phase in my career meant and what I needed to accomplish, what my goals were, what my expectations were, understanding how my voice fit in there. When I didn't plan it, when I didn't do the research, when I didn't invest in myself is when imposter syndrome came in.
2: Oh, yeah. And
1: then I would be my own roadblock
2: mm-hmm. because
1: I didn't have the confidence because I didn't surround myself with people in that phase because I didn't do the research because I didn't, feel really grounded in what I was doing. Then I started doubting myself, which limited my growth Mm -hmm. in those phases. So I think your voice is so, so important to everything that you do, no matter what job, what role, what business, what vertical, what industry, you've got to have that inner monologue, that direction, that point of view. Um, so I'm really thankful you asked that question because I'm an yeah. out loud thinker yeah. <laughs> and oh. I think
0: I've uncovered things. <laughs> You're like, wow, <laughs> well, I didn't realize I thought that.
2: <laughs> and while you were talking too, I couldn't help but think about just we're in an industry that is just so dynamic, right? So I think a, Sometimes you also have to be faced with the challenge of rediscovering your voice even in the same position that you're already in yes. because something mm-hmm. happens in the industry that challenges the way you've always approached a topic, yeah. especially within the past you know, two to three years. So I think this industry can humble you with the way that consumers change, with the, with the supply chain changes, something like that um, can humble you and force you to kind of reckon with, okay, I need to get this right. It's okay for me to not know right now and not keep attacking the same problem with the same solution um, and kind of rediscover your voice in that
1: way. I talk to people that are entering the marketing roles within dealerships to zoom out Mm -hmm. because we're so focused on these minimal KPIs and these numbers we have to hit. But our industry is so much larger than Mm -hmm. that. So building off what you're saying, understanding how you fit into that larger world And understanding how to navigate it consistently, like throughout each Mm -hmm. phase of your career is, is, I think it's crucial and zooming out and seeing how your dealership, your business, your region, how politics is affecting your city or township, and then how that fits into the state and the country and the environment. Those are all important factors to look at when you're making decisions for a business, when you're making decisions for yourself, Mm -hmm. because ripple effect.
0: Yeah. And you know what I think, uh, this just reminded me, I I think that poses a challenge to people in positions of leadership, you know, in any business or specifically a dealership to really include all of their employees in those bigger picture conversations, conversations can't speak today. Um, (laughs) Because I think if you don't give them the why, they don't understand why they're doing the the, the simplest of tasks. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's no buy-in, there's no big picture understanding. So it's, including everyone in, in those conversations and making them aware.
1: Especially in the challenging environments that we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. I work a lot with OEMs and when it comes to marketing, we talk about, Hey, what do you want to plan for the next year? By July, we've already talked about end of year and into next year. We're planning out the year. This is the first time we're talking about the next two or three months. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about a year away. We're not making these huge decisions with our dollars that we used to be and neither are human beings in their homes because there's so much instability and we don't know what to expect tomorrow so i think think actively thinking about how all of these different factors affect you and your business is really really important and when we were going through these challenges at my company i was considered a leader but I didn't realize what it meant until people had to make hard, hard decisions. Mm -hmm. We saw dealers that have had people with them for 20, 30 years that had to shut their doors and didn't know how to take care of their people. And my CEO gave us really difficult news that we'd have to be taking pay cuts across the board because we got hit hard. Mm -hmm. The first thing Mm -hmm. that people do is they cut their marketing budget. Mm -hmm. And so the company took some hits. And what I saw live in front of me, and I'm going to do my best not to get emotional, mm-hmm. but was active leadership. Mm-hmm. And I'm, when I think about it, I, I get so inspired and emotional because he put a plan together to identify how we were going to navigate this, made some really hard decisions, and went to the board saying, this is my plan to not leave one streamer behind. Every other agency I knew was making, was doing layoffs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what we did is we did pay cuts across the board and it was really hard. But there was this promise that we weren't going to do layoffs. If and they could avoid it at all costs, 100% yeah. transparent to the entire company. Yeah. this was yeah, announced. which is huge. All yeah. the, the people managers were told slightly before so they could help people navigate it. Mm-hmm. And then they did a hardship committee. So anonymously, you could apply and say, this is my pay ban. However, I need X, Y, and Z. Wow. And they themselves as individuals helped to resolve those for those people. Wow. Yeah. That's and then incredible. what none of us were expecting was by December 31st, 2020, the year that everything went to hell, they paid us back in full. Oh
0: my well, God. That just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> me too.
1: <laughs> wow. Me
0: too.
1: And it's, it's the foresight, the planning, the, Every month there was communication. This is the number we need to get to. This is where we are. And we're really hoping to make sure that we take care of all of you. We lost people, but it wasn't because of doing any layoffs. Mm -hmm. Either they chose to leave or performance issues like every business Mm -hmm. should. But the amount of camaraderie and loyalty that was built from seeing someone take a $0 paycheck and really put the company and the team first and we went from 250 people, we grew in the year 2020, paid everyone back, and the next year we hit 500 people. Wow. We grew through that. We reallocated people that didn't have work because our services were mm-hmm. essentially yeah, rendered useless it. for a month or two. They reallocated them to innovation or to help our active customers that couldn't pay us mm-hmm. just How can we help build their businesses? And so leadership that thinks that way, that puts their community and their employees first, first, the I, you couldn't pay me enough to leave this company knowing how much they put us first and where I believe we're going. And that is something that I don't think people in leadership always believe Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. the people that work for them. Or see the true value
0: of, because I think in the moment you don't, you can't, feel the benefits, the tangible benefits in the moment, but in moments like that, when you react the right way, it's going to pay off, you know, years later. I mean, you just said you would, you can't imagine leaving a company like this. And that's the kind of buy-in that I don't know that we always have in this industry and it's, yeah.
2: Yeah. I like what you said, too, about you know where the company is going and you're bought into that. Could you maybe speak a little about, as a leader, how important it is to kind of set that vision um, kind of company-wide for anyone?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think there are layers, too. Not only do people managers and leaders need to have different levels of transparency and planning a leader at the top that really wants to do big things needs to have a plan. And if you keep that plan to yourself, you are chasing numbers and goals that nobody else understands. So they can't get on board and row with you if you don't know where you're going. I can, I'm just gonna kind of like paddle, but if there's an aggressive point we need to get to, I'm gonna jump right in and row with you if I know that there's a point that I need to get to. Um, I'm not gonna just sit back and wait for the waves to take me. I'm going to be jumping in with you. Mm-hmm. So I think it also goes back to the different generations, learning how to speak to those millennials for the most part, really want to be bought in. And if you're not helping me feel like I'm a part of something, millennials typically turn off or yep. they do their job. Gen Z is some of the most brazen group of people <laughs> I've ever met in my life. <laughs> they will quit without having a job. If you don't, you know, give them the respect that they're owed. So understanding these different groups and being able to provide those insights that they need to your job gets easier.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Your job as a leader gets easier when people feel like they're a part of the overall mission. They know where you're headed, mm-hmm. what is promised on the horizon if they hang hang with you, especially in this great resignation area, right? You can retain people for obviously you have to pay them fairly obviously you have to really understand what work-life balance is you can't beat people to 12 14 hours a day like our Mm -hmm. industries have been known to do whether it be advertising automotive or anything in between we've taken advantage and hearing them and giving them that purpose makes them want to do that on their own and not the expectation Mm -hmm. that's in front of them
0: Subhi, I would ask you this. You're you're speaking a lot of sharing that, communicating that with them. When you think of a dealership perspective, is there a way you think the best way to do that? Is it one-on-one conversations? Is it consistent monthly meetings? Because I'm just looking for some tangible ways that we can can kind of inspire people to start doing this.
1: Yeah. I think consistency is absolutely key Mm -hmm. in these types of leadership initiatives. So if you're a single point, I'll give you an answer for a single point and I'll give you an answer for a group. (laughs) So in a single point, I would say that get all of your leaders together consistently, whether it be monthly, quarterly, whatever. Do not only share with them what's ahead, where you want to go, give kudos while you're there. Everybody wants to see that they're doing well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's the departments that don't get sales gets all the kudos. Oh yes, all the always. Time. Always. <laughs> but sales doesn't function on its own. Show parts of Sales love. functions <laughs> because every other department is doing what they need to do. So give your kudos. Who's who's doing outstanding work? Sometimes it's not always monetary. I think in, especially in dealerships, we think it's all about monetary compensation. It's not always about that. Mm-hmm. If you can give People them all these other mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So consistently meeting but also giving room for open dialogue about what needs to be focused on. What are they seeing okay. that you're not? Cause those people are hearing from their people and they're, they're seeing things themselves that they're not always open to bring up, especially if it's cross
2: departmental, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They
1: keep it to themselves. It's that person's job. But if you incentivize and inspire people to share openly about solutions for the entire organization, You'd be surprised the ideas that come out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that's one thing that I would do consistently. If you can't okay. do monthly, do it yeah. quarterly. At least they know that all Creating leadership is going to get together. They're going to openly, and also the problem solving piece has to be a part of that agenda too. Mm-hmm. So, you're and making
0: them part of the problem solving. Yes. yes I like so, you're that.
1: recapping where you've been, you're talking about where you're going, you're giving your kudos, you're allowing people to openly bring up ideas but you're also doing active problem solving. What are problems you're facing, but do not bring a problem if you don't have an idea or a solution to follow it. And if you don't know how to solve it, say, present it a certain way to help the, the leaders in the room mm-hmm. come up with those ideas. So that's single point. And then I would copy the same thing for a group, but okay. the one layer that I would add in is quarterly. If you're in a group, that means you've got two, three, four, five, ten. 10 I directors, internet managers, you've got all of those. And my first group did this and I absolutely loved it. We would have our own like 20 group, if you will. So we would bring all these people with the same titles together to do the same thing.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Have those open conversations, what's working, what's not. Even if you feel like you're competitive with each other, just know when you're sharing where you're going, you're sharing the things as a group where you're going. Yeah, we're,
0: we're all being lifted up.
1: Yes. So that way everyone feels really bought in. They feel like they're being heard, their problems are being resolved. But also keep in mind if you're gonna bring up and allow people to share their concerns or problems, you have to have the thick skin not to react yep. and not to ignore their problem. I mean, we offer free cereal in our before COVID Ooh. and people would like put in comments like, Really, why is this cereal not involved? You're gonna have to hear some <laughs> of the nonsense. <laughs> But just yeah. also be open-minded because you're also going to get some great nuggets to help move your company along. Some I was just adding some of the
0: most successful dealerships that Shannon and I have worked with. I would say their management staff is very thick skinned mm-hmm. and, You know, I would say they're very open to hearing the problems. I think we've also worked with people who kind of deflect that or they like to ignore it and they think if they ignore it, the problems are going to go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The problems are still there.
1: You just don't hear them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or people are afraid to speak up and that's not an environment that's conducive to innovation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing will change. And the other thing is if your employees aren't bought into you, your customers aren't believing them when they're selling the for
2: sure. They can sense it. They feel it.
1: They definitely feel it. And if you're suddenly seeing a lot of negative reviews after not resolving something, it's because your team isn't bought in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, such a crucial, crucial step in the in the grand scheme yeah. of things. So we talked about single points and we talked about large groups, but we talked about leadership. The last piece of that is at least quarterly have an all hands, whether it be doing the exact same thing but in a much smaller agenda where you're sharing kind of high points of where you want to go as a, as a company, you're sharing what you've, what your wins are, mm-hmm. because a lot of times the sales department sees your wins, but other departments don't. So sharing your wins in each department, whether it be, you know, we found a way to cut costs and benefits that we can then apply to you all in this way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oftentimes leaders are doing these things behind mm-hmm. the scenes, but their employees don't see it. And when they don't see it, they just assume you're not doing anything for them. Yeah. So little things like a little, a little pizza and a little bit of open dialogue goes a okay. long way. <laughs> People love food.
2: Yeah. I think you did just cue us up for our favorite question since you did bring up okay. some food. So Subie, if you were given the opportunity to have your own dealership, what snacks okay. would you have in the waiting lounge?
1: in the waiting lounge for customers. For customers, for like service Or, or employees. I mean, you can, you can take so it however you'd like. <laughs> I would 100% have both for employees too, because I think that dealerships are some of the most unhealthy environments, mainly because it's go, go, go all the time. You're always getting fast food. I've never gained more weight than I did when I was working <laughs> at the dealership. So providing a place where people can go and whether it be a ticket system or a point system or whatever they have access to good, healthy snacks and food options. But for specifically for the waiting room for customers, I would do away with the donuts because I think that they can be messy. And also my opinions, my answer may be different before COVID and after COVID. The idea (laughs) of people putting their hands in M&Ms makes me want to like vomit a little bit now. (laughs) Um, But I love a good like like a candy or snack bar where you've got and I love themes so if it's blue like having all different at one of our booths at NADA we had all different cookies like all different types of cookies as the theme a theme or at stream we had because we're orange we have all different orange candy if you come come by our booth at NADA it's all different orange we've got Reese's cups. We've got custom orange M and M's. We've got orange Starburst, and it's just the orange in all of them. I love so that. I like doing things that's uh, engaging that way. Yeah, like a bar of stuff. This sounds and, like something off the, Pinterest or something. And, and the nice and the nice coffee. Oh yeah. there we go. You can't skip on the. That's coffee. That's important.
0: That is important. Yeah. <laughs> the final thing we just wanted to ask you is if our. If any of our listeners have any questions for you, I think you've definitely um, shared a lot of really great info and maybe broke some snow globes here today. (laughs) Is there a
1: best way to get in contact with you? Absolutely. So... Since this is going to be replayed, I won't give my phone number. I typically <laughs> give my phone number out, but LinkedIn is a good way to contact me. My name is Subi Ghosh. I should be the only one in automotive. If there's another one, I will hunt her down. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm pretty easy to reach on LinkedIn. My email is subi.ghosh, at streamcompanies.com. I'm always available via email. Facebook, LinkedIn, reach out I or email and I'll get you my number if you want. We'll, we can text, we can talk if you have an employee that you really just want help redefining their role or if you're just someone looking for a mentor or a champion, I can pair you up with someone or just brainstorm with you and anytime anyone needs their snow globe cracked a little bit, just reach out.
2: Thank you for riding along with us on this sooty journey. You can reach us by emailing team at or by visiting our website at getinherlane.com. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at getinherlane.